following is a message from Living Waters Church in Elk River, Minnesota. For more information, visit livingwatersmn.org. One of the things that we can be certain in is of His goodness. And so that's what we're looking into uh, over these several weeks is we are allowing the Lord to solidify some things in us uh, that we can step into and say, I am certain of this. And it's not so much a doctrinal statement. It is a certainness of what we sang this morning. <clears throat> we know who you are. We know who you are, God. There's a certainness that he's putting on the inside of us that says we know who you are without a doubt. And so that's what we're after together. The definition of, to be, to, of being certain is to know for sure. I am certain that I cannot yell in worship and then try to... No, I'm not certain about that. We're going to work on that. Um, so to know for sure, to be established beyond doubt, having complete conviction, being confident for something to not be in question. There are some things that we are going to walk away from this time together and say, that is no longer in question. The goodness of God is no longer in question for me. And where we camped last week and we're going to continue this week is, the love of God is no longer in question for me. I am convinced of his love. And we've been looking at it in this broader sense not, not necessarily this personal aspect of his love, but I want us to capture the reality of the broader sense of God's love, that he is love, that he defines love, that his every action comes from the place of love. And we're going to kind of continue in that place. <clears throat> we need to recognize when we start talking about being certain, a question comes up for us and we can say, whoa, 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 whoa. Isn't it all supposed to be about faith? Isn't it all supposed to be about faith? Where, isn't that the point of Christianity, is that we believe things that we're just not really... No, that's what faith is. Faith is a certainty of the unseen. Faith is the evidence of things unseen, the certainty of things unseen. It's not blind. It's coming into a place of, I don't see it fully, but I'm certain of it. And so we need to recognize that this certainty still comes as a gift of faith to us. When the Lord was speaking to me about being able to make this declaration, I am certain, I am certain of this, I am certain of that, he assured me that the gift of faith would come with it. That we would be able to step into the faith, not just faith in Jesus, but the faith of Jesus in who our God is. He had to be pretty certain to do what he did, to say yes to that plan. Can you imagine that discussion? I, I tend to think that the plan of salvation, the plan of Jesus coming to earth, was, was really all something that God, Jesus, and Holy Spirit came up with together, and they were all in agreement. I don't think there was a lot of convincing, because they share this nature. But just for the sake of it, consider that. The certainty that was required by Jesus to go, yeah, I'll sign up for that. Yeah, I'll do that. 
There was a certainty in him. And we get to have that same certainty. That's the gift of faith that we have, that we can have the faith of Jesus as part of our life. So we're going after this certainty. Last week I talked about the probably most well-known verse, for God so loved the world. And we talked about the certainty that God loves the world, that we can look around us no matter what's going on in the world and we can be certain that, yeah, but God loves the world, that he's continuing to love the world. He didn't love the world that one time and now he's like, whoops, I thought that might work. He's continuing to love the world. He's continuing to pursue the world, the the people of the world, with his love, including us. And so we need to to remember that the, the entire Christian message, the entire Christian life, is about a God who loves and then our response to that love. And sometimes we can see that in the beginning of our Christian relationship, our relationship with Christ. We say, yes, I knew that he loved me and I responded to the message of his love. And I said yes to that. And then from that point on, it was all about how good I can love him. It was all about what I can do. And the reality is, no, it's always about the God who loves first and then I respond to that love. It was that way when I first said yes, and it was that way when I rolled out of bed this morning. I woke up loved by God, and I get to decide, how am I going to respond to that love this morning? What does my yes to that love look like? Because I have a God who loves the world. It's interesting that we think it began with love, but that it's somehow sustained by something else. It began with love, but now it's sustained by how well I can do the stuff. It began with him loving me, but now it's sustained by, if I can love him enough. No. It began with his love for me. It's sustained by his love for me. That's the message. That's what I'm responding to. Isn't it good to know that I don't have to try to drum up enough love for God in the morning? I can just receive. That's one thing I've been doing lately getting up in the morning and just sitting, partly because I'm not ready to get out of bed yet because it's cold now, (sighs) but just sitting and going, you love me, help me know how you love me this morning. Because then I can spend the rest of my day responding to that love. I can spend the rest of my day, everything I do, every encounter, it's not a perfect science yet, but every encounter hopefully is my response to his love. It's coming from that place. And then I I never come up short because his love is pursuing me and it's set on me. So we talked about how God is love, but how sometimes we tend to measure God's love by our standards, by our definition, by our ideal of what love looks like. We tend to measure it by, by, well, that's where we become uncertain. Because sometimes we see things going on, and we go, well, that doesn't look like a lot of love is happening in that situation. Where's God's love in that? 
And we need to recognize that we don't define love. We don't measure God's love against our ideal of love. We don't judge the love of God based on our view of the situation or the circumstance. He's the one who defines love. In fact, he's the one that is taking every situation in which love is not functioning and he is aiming at it, pursuing it, trying to bring love into that. That's, that's the whole point of, for God so loved the world, is that he's trying to demonstrate his love constantly on the earth. But he's the standard, not me. <laughs> Jesus said, they will know you're, that you're my disciples by how you love. And it's funny how we throw that out on social media in various places. Usually when somebody starts a dumpster fire about some theological something or other, and then somebody throws out their well, but they'll know we're Christians by, by our love or... Do we even really know what that means? Sometimes I don't think so. Sometimes I think it means, you know, don't be mean, or I don't know. But, but the reality is, Jesus told us exactly what that looks like. They'll know that you are my disciples by how you love. And then later on, he says, so love as I've loved you, because I'm the gold standard for love. And how can, I, how can I do that unless I know that love? How can I do that unless I'm sitting in the confidence of that love? How can I love like he's loved? So he says, I'm the standard, not you. <laughs> we can sometimes, one of the things that, that we say, there's, there's a whole different level of love that we experience when we step into that God kind of love. The love... That, you know, if I go, okay, I'm going to honor Jesus, I'm going to love one another, I'm going I'm to love you so that people know that I'm disciples, what I can trump up apart from his love is pretty small. My family knows. <laughs> they know the difference between the God kind of love and the kind of love that I can create on my own. <laughs> there's, there's this statement out there, love is love. I'm sorry, but it's not. There is a God kind of love. (laughs) Love is not love. This is the standard, this God kind of love. Every time it talks about the love of God, it's talking about the agape love of God. And it's not defined by me or by you or by Facebook. Agape love, a discriminating affection which involves choice and selection. To take pleasure in a thing, to prize it above all other things. To be unwilling to abandon it or do without it. To welcome it with desire, to long for. A love that is based on the character of the lover, not the merit of the one being loved. This is the God kind of love. God so loved the world because it was worthy? No, because he is love, and he can't help but love. And this love that he brings is, is based on the character of him, not on the merit of the, the object of that love. And so we can be confident of that when we see, when we 
are unlovable. We can be confident, but he loves me. <laughs> when we see others being unlovable, there's not one unlovable, unlovely person <laughs> that God doesn't go, no, I love them. I've set my love on them. I'm pursuing them with my love. Some of them are running faster than others, but I'm pursuing them, and I'll catch up with them. <laughs> this is the kind of love that God loves us with. It's not a feeling for God. It's a decision. He loves you. He's decided, like it or not, so this is what we looked at last week, that this, this love. So all of that was basically review. Bummer. <laughs> but it's still good, right? It's still good. I really believe the Lord, the Lord spoke to me about this whole thing of, of talking and, and teaching on love. And he said, sorry guys, he said, don't be in a hurry. <laughs> don't be in a hurry. Because we want to get it. We want to get it on the inside. What's interesting about the verse, for God so loved the world, so we get that he loves, we've determined that his love and affection is set on the, on the people of the world, but the other piece that I want us to really recognize and delve into is the way that he loves. We talked about that, that that little... That little word, so, God so loved the world, didn't, wasn't an um, accentuator of how much he loved. It was a description of how he loved. God loved the world in this way, that he gave his son. One of the reasons we know this is partially because of grammar. Thank you, English teachers. But another reason we know this is because it's all throughout the New Testament. It tells us again. In 1 John 4, 9 through 10, in this the love of God was manifested, that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son. In Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Ephesians 2 Five, uh, four and five, but because of his great love, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive in Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. All over the New Testament, it's telling us this is the way that God loves. And why this is important, because we want to, ref we want to reflect the love of God. That's, I mean, that's part of our role. Is to, that's the whole point of the Great Commission is is that's the good news that we're meant to bring. God has set his love on you. <laughs> and we're meant to reflect that, but then we need to understand how he chose to love. Because I find it interesting, we can sometimes feel squeamish or apologetic about offering the invitation to Christ. We can feel like... Oh, I don't want them to feel judged. I don't want to... No, God said, in this is love that I sent my son 
That is how he chooses to demonstrate love. And yet we kind of count that as secondary to others. We're going to love people in a different way and then maybe we'll slip in the message of Jesus on the back end of it. Right? Maybe not you. Maybe you're like, what is she talking about? But it kind of feels that way. Like, I don't want to bother somebody by offering them love from the creator of the universe. And yes, are we led by the Spirit in when, when, you know, when the Holy Spirit's working? Yes, we are led by the Spirit in how we present that to people. But we should never, that's where we don't ever be ashamed of the gospel. Because it is love, that message, is an invitation to the love of God. It's the gold standard of love. And I wonder sometimes why I try to offer every other natural solution to the effects of sin in the world. Because we do, we, we look and we see the effects of sin in all of these different places. And then we begin to go, well, the way we can love the world is we're going to offer solutions to these effects of sin. We're going to offer solutions to broken family. We're going to offer solutions, and that's good. But ultimately... Love and what can actually fix that brokenness is Jesus, (laughs) is the message of what Jesus came to do, of, of coming into that place. Why do we count that as secondary? We have to become certain that this is the solution to the effects of sin on the earth. And yes, then we can frame whatever programs to help meet those needs and whatever responses to help meet those needs, but it needs to come from this certainty that it is Jesus that came to bring wholeness to the brokenness of sin. So yes, we pray for peace, sometimes harder than other times. We pray for peace, but we need to recognize that people need even more the Prince of Peace reigning in their life. And yes, we feed people, but we need to recognize they will not be satisfied until they have the bread of life. And yes, we fight for justice, but any earthly justice that can be established is nothing compared to what happened at the cross when mercy and justice kissed. Yes, we vote for righteousness. But we shouldn't mistake the fact that there is no righteousness apart from Jesus. That is not an endorsement for writing Jesus in on the ballot. Just saying. But, I, but I, we need to come from that place of certainty to recognize That it's Jesus that is the complete demonstration of God's love. There's a bracelet out there right now that's it's like the follow-up to the What Would Jesus Do bracelet. You remember the What Would Jesus Do? Yeah. <laughs> so there, there's a, a bracelet out there, and it's, um, it's kind of the answer to the question, he would love first. So now they have bracelets that say H. W-L-F, I guess. I don't know. I don't know if they use an acronym. But it just says he would love first. Yeah. 
So that's the answer to the question. And to some degree, I think that's great. But we need to recognize that it's in Jesus that that love is demonstrated. It's in offering that invitation that that love is demonstrated. And I look at it like this. He would love first, meaning we love because he loved us first. <laughs> you know, in, an, in a relationship, people might ask, who said I love you first? Who, who said I love you first? Uh, that would be me. That was totally you. <laughs> I got there, though. <laughs> right? So, you know, who said I love you first? It's him every time. I mean, not him. I'm talking about God now. We've switched back to the sermon. It's him every time. Every time, he is the initiator. He is the one who loves first. We need to recognize that he loved from the beginning of time, from the very moment, from the very moment that sin slipped in between God and man and created separation. He already had a plan in place. Everything from that point was to bring us to John 3.16 and the demonstration of his love. We cannot separate the God of the Old Testament from the God of the New Testament as if he somehow went through some gentle parenting classes in the meantime or something. We do it. And we need to become certain that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, that that is the same God of love. When we look at it through those eyes, if we look at the Old Testament, we see a desperate father trying to get back into relationship with his kids setting everything into place, coming to that moment, that amazing moment when the death and resurrection meant we can be together again. You can fully experience my love through what Jesus did. I know I'm taking a long time to define kind of this larger abstract view of God's love, but I feel like it is such a foundation in the certainty. We're headed towards knowing and having certainty that God loves me. But what good is that if we don't identify what that love looks like, how strong that love is, how complete that love is? How, how he chooses to show that love. What I love is that he, he always had a plan. <laughs> it wasn't like all throughout the Old Testament, from the point of sin on, he was like needing to be talked into it. Or like the world was in time out and they'd been punished long enough and now Jesus can come. It sounds ridiculous, but I'm telling you, we have these little little tweaks of those kinds of beliefs in our thinking. And we need to recognize that his love has always been poised to pursue us. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians 1 verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. He already had this provision in place because his love for us was so perfect. His love for us was so determined, is so determined. And this is, this is kind of what we're moving into next, what we want to talk about is that this love is best described as adoptive love as an adoptive love that was already set upon us. That already, like, I loved you before, I even, before you were even born. I loved you before you did anything worthy of my love. I loved you before, really, while you were still hostile towards me. I loved you. And I called you into this place of sonship. This reality of being fully loved and fully wanted before I could ever be worthy of it. That's where it begins, and yet we try to make ourselves worthy. <laughs> we have to step into this certainty that there is nothing I can do to make him love me more, <laughs> and there's nothing I can do to make him love me less. Because he's already decided it's a love that's established in his character, not mine. Isn't that good news? Yeah. That means that God loves me as much today while I'm doing the stuff and I'm at church and I'm preaching and I'm worshiping and I'm smiling at my family. He loves me as much right now as he loved me a couple days ago when I was doing none of those things. Sorry, guys. So it's good. It's good that we have that certainty. We're going to talk next week about this reality of the adoption of his love. This is why when it talks about it pleased God to bruise Jesus, that's a nice way of putting it. It pleased him to crush him because it meant that for the first time, we were available for adoption. Yeah. To be connected with him. To be able to step into the fullness of that relationship. So that's what we're going to press into next week. The reality of that, of becoming the certainty of being sons and daughters in that. And what that means for how we can stand in that love. But... We need to, to recognize that we will not convince the world of God's love for them through our tolerance or through our righteous activism. None of it. But we will convince them if we remember, in this is love. In Christ, in the provision that God made, that's love that that's what we uniquely have to offer. And that affects everything else. That affects our ability to come and bring solutions to the pain in the world. 
But this needs to be the foundation of it, not an add-on. Amen? Amen. Here's the reality, and we're going to talk about this next week. I always do that. I think I'm just trying to get you guys to come back. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. Go and read. No. But the reality is this uh, revelation of his love for us doesn't come... I could talk all day long about his love. I could read any number of the hundreds of verses about his love, but it doesn't come by convincing with words. We're going to talk next week about the, the, um, how the Holy Spirit bears witness with us about this reality. And so when I'm standing here and I'm talking about his love, there's really no amount of words or convincing that I'm going to be able to do But what I'm doing is I'm a placeholder so that you will sit here and he'll do the work of of convincing you of his love, convincing you of your being fully seen, fully known, and fully accepted in him. There's a work that the Holy Spirit's doing in that. And I want to encourage you to be open to that work throughout this week. Leave spaces in your day to let Holy Spirit work in that. Read scripture. That it says that, that faith comes by hearing. That's why we do preach the word on a Sunday morning. It's not because you've never heard what I'm saying before. Surely you've heard John 3.16. Yeah, we all know that one. But there is something released in the word that I have way more confidence in than I do in what I'm speaking this morning. So Holy Spirit, we invite you to come. Let's stand, just for fun. Just because we're serious about it. Holy Spirit, we, come, we ask that, that you would come and you would continue to convince us that you would make us certain. Not just that your love is set on the world, not just that your love is set on those around us that that don't yet know you, but you'd continue to convince us of your great love for us. Forgive us for those times where we have let it begin with love, but then we've made it about something else. We want to step back into the certainty that we love because you first loved us. So we just invite you to encounter us with that throughout the week. That we would have moments and times of, of the Holy Spirit bearing witness with ours about the adoption into sonship and daughtership with you. Come and minister so that when we come back and hear the word, I ask that you'd till the soil in our hearts so that next week when we plant the seed of your word, it bears fruit quickly and healthily. Remove every obstacle to us believing the truth of your love for us. And remind us again of how you love through Jesus. And what a beautiful thing that is to offer to other people around us. 
We thank you for your great love. We thank you that we could talk about this every day, all day, and not even scratch the surface of what it is. But we pray for a deeper revelation as we press into this truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. To learn more about us, please visit livingwatersmn.org. Thank you.